Hello and welcome to another episode of Ashley Hayden's Political Breakdown, a show where we talk about the comings and goings of the week's news. My guest this week is Carmen Ali. Hello. Hi. Hi, how is it going with yourself? Yeah, okay. It's a bit hot today. I've had to put the fan on, so hopefully that won't disrupt, disrupt the recording at all. No, I reckon that should be absolutely <laughs> fine. So have you been keeping up with the week's news this week? Um, a little bit. I did see that, I think Matt Hancock travelled to see his parents when he had coronavirus, and everyone's talking about that at the moment. Oh, we're, go we're going to start with that uh, uh, okay. story. It's slightly different to how you've said it, because it's Dominic Cummings. Uh, Dominic Cummings, Dominic allegedly. Cummings. I get them confused. Which one's Matt Hancock? Matt Hancock is the uh, Secretary for Health, he's the uh, Health okay. Secretary, the one who he owned his own uh, app that he made when he was Culture Secretary. Um, okay, but he's the one who had coronavirus initially and then gave it to everyone else? Uh, no, Boris Johnson uh, uh, had coronavirus, probably from going around and shaking hands with everyone. That will that will certainly do it. And then there was a wonderful video of when we all found out that Boris Johnson had coronavirus and had to self-isolate, there was a wonderful video of Dominic Cummings coming out of number 10 and running away. Oh. Uh, <laughs> turns out he uh, ran 250 miles up to Durham, uh, which is one hell of a fucking run when you're ill. Um, now, what's... There's been, as you say, there's been a lot of talk thus far, today and uh, yesterday, with whether or not Dominic Cummings should resign. Because he has broken guidance lockdown laws, rules. Yeah. What's your views on that? Do you think he should resign? So, did he end up having coronavirus? Yes. Because yeah. he, he, he got it from his wife, uh, they think. Because his wife had it, and then he had it. And whilst they were uh, supposedly still ill, uh, they drove 250 miles to their to his parents' house so that they could look after the children whilst uh, the parents were ill. I don't know. Like, I think this is going to sound quite controversial, but I'm not sure. Like, I feel like, obviously, there were probably lots of people doing things like that, but we don't know about it. So there might be yeah. lots of people who, who, who are they're both the mum and dad are ill, they can't look after their kids properly, and then they're obviously asking relatives to help or whatever, but because they're not Deputy Prime Minister or whatever he is, apparently I've just found out. He's, he's the, he's the uh, um, chief Standard. advisor. He's the chief advisor to uh, um, Boris Johnson. Not following his own advice. Um, <laughs> then, I don't know, like, I, I think he, he should probably come out and say this probably wasn't the best idea. Although, having said that, I don't know. Like, did his kids have coronavirus too? Like, what are you supposed to do if you both get sick and your kids need looking after and you don't want them to get sick? I don't have kids, so I didn't really think about this until just now. Um, well, one thing you may, you probably shouldn't do is uh, travel to uh, yeah. relatives that you love who are old because the coronavirus affects the old more than anyone else. Hmm. And what so, has he, it's, um, what has he said about it so far? Oh, he said fuck all. Um, okay, interesting. Uh, what What's been interesting with people were going to find out? Did he? Well, uh, 
the government have refused to answer any questions on uh, where Dominic Cummings was self-isolating for the past seven weeks. Because this all happened around March. So the government have been going, no, we're not, we're not, it's, we're not answering any of these questions. They brought out a statement today when the story came out, because it was a work between Guardian and the Mirror. Uh, uh, thing because uh, the Durham police spoke to uh, Cummings about breaking the uh, guidance rules and they backed him of course they supported him the problem is is that uh, did you ever see the story a week or so ago about uh, Neil Ferguson oh the one who was um, having an affair and then he got yeah. sacked yes or he yeah. resigned oh he resigned uh, yeah he resigned because he broke lockdown rules and the media found out, went after him, and he went, I, should, I, I did wrong, I should resign. Now, why should he have to resign? And on this, government uh, MPs and politicians and right-wing uh, thought-think knobheads were all saying he should resign, this is a disgrace, this is disgusting, he should know better, he should resign. What's the difference between what he did and what Cummings is doing now. Whereas, uh, I mean, at least the first guy got laid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a reason, there, there's fun in that. I, you can understand why someone would do that. I don't necessarily I'm think just... all of them should resign, but mainly because I don't think you should resign for making one mistake. I think we have this culture at the moment where if you do anything wrong, people are like, you should resign, you should lose your job. And like Donald Trump has done loads of things wrong, but he still gets to keep his job. Why is that okay for him? I, I don't think I don't think comparing uh, anyone to Donald Trump is, uh, is is a good way of measuring our own morality. Um, and I, I would I would disagree with you in the sense uh, that that we may have a cancel culture, mm -hmm. but the cancel culture does fuck all. Our politicians have made so many mistakes over the past few years, lied so much, that none of them, even when they've been found out, have resigned off of it. And so we go, especially with politicians, we've gone the other way completely to when everyone's made a Teflon at this point. You chuck all the shit on them and they are, it's just ripping off them. Mm. Nothing can touch these people. And so we need to get to a point where they're going, right, you've gone too far now. Where is the line where these people will actually fucking resign? I think the thing with that is that then they, they should have resigned much earlier. So Tory politicians should have resigned with the Windrush scandal. They should have yes. resigned as soon as um, they decided that, you know, lower paid workers are called low skilled. Like this coronavirus thing, I feel like is just a small drop in a bigger ocean. Like, does that make sense? Like, he, okay, he put his two grandparents at risk, but actually Tory policies have been putting thousands of people at risk for years. Like, I just found out that um, it was only in 2015 that they introduced the rule where people who are not from England have to pay for the NHS. Um, yes, surcharge. <laughs> Even if you're paying tax in the UK, if you're working in the UK and you're paying tax, you still then have to pay on top of that to go to the doctor. That doesn't make any sense. Like, no. I feel like these are the things that people should be held accountable for. Stuff that's in their personal lives that obviously does kind of correlate with some sort of breaking of government policy, 
is is a bit more like what's the word a bit more gray area i feel does that make sense i see what you're saying um it's like the bill clinton monica Lewinsky thing like if we if we literally made every like politician resign for having an affair we would have like almost no politicians i'll take that as a good thing though how? Because I mean, if, if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk about uh, affairs, and we currently have a, a prime minister who has the same morals as a fucking penguin, um, as a penguin. A penguin. Um, I think penguins have probably got better morals. Penguins are super no, cute. Pe penguins <laughs> love a, pe penguins love a gang rape. Um, it's a little known fact about yes. Yeah. Like the animal kingdom isn't nice. Um, uh, for of the uh, for. Otters really bad too. I found out what otters did, and I was like, "That's really sad." Exactly. All <laughs> animals are awful. Stop bringing them into your homes. Um, <laughs> but if we if we're going to have politicians who you can't even trust in a relationship, how can you possibly trust them to be honest to the public when they can't be honest with the people who they claim to love? Hmm. I think this is another. This is a wider issue where. It's not just politicians who are untrustworthy, it's a lot of people. And then if you replace those politicians with other people, then you might get more untrustworthy people. Uh, I've, always, I've always had this thought about politicians, that you shouldn't be allowed to be a politician unless you have at least once taken your own advice. I mean, that's fair. Because politicians are there to give advice. I mean, how often have you taken your own advice? Not as many times as I would like to have done, but I've exactly. started taking it a bit more, more often in my, in, as I've got to my 30s. <laughs> so Dominic Cummings, if we go back to this, um, you, you think that it's, it's fine? I don't think it's Andy. fine. I think he should say something about it, but I also... Well, what he has said about it is that it's fake news. Although he hasn't said it, Anonymous sources have, which is him. Uh, it, it is. It's. I, I. I hate to break it to everyone. Every government source, every anonymous government source, is him. It's, oh yeah, it's from them. It's. It's ridiculous. Like I, it pisses me off so much that every time there's a fucking news story, you've always got some knobhead journalist going. A, a, a government source has told me that it's wrong. You're not here to fucking be a mouthpiece to the government check it then check it first if something's wrong if if just because some prick at the fucking government tells you it's wrong doesn't mean it is you know they shouldn't be the ones who you listen to for truth they're the ones who are fucking lying bastard anyway <laughs> anyway i mean i mean quite a fucking mood today i'm gonna get loads of tape on your podcast and your viewers for me saying this <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no one watches this. I wouldn't worry. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. This is not going to be your big break. <laughs> not at all. I've gone to a question that I, I've been wanting to ask all week. Which okay. is, what is British common sense? Uh, I mean, that is a difficult question. <laughs> I, I've, we've, we've been hearing this for weeks now 
about what the rules, British common sense. That's what we need, British common sense. What the fuck is British common sense? I think it's like, so people were getting really annoyed um, with lot, when they were going to the parks and it was really busy and being like, you shouldn't be in the park, blah, blah, blah. I think the thing is, is that if you go to the park and it's already really busy, then you should go home. Does that make sense? But it's just not enough people are doing that. So... Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, you can't complain about the park being busy if you're in the park. If you get to the park and it's, like, 50%, like, occupied, but you're still away from people, that's fine. But when more people start to arrive, if you get there and you're like, actually, I wouldn't be able to find a space without getting really close to these people, you should just go home and come back earlier. Or but why is the government using the phrase British common sense as... Uh, borderline legislation because they don't really understand what they're doing they don't have common sense do you, do you think that uh, the use of common sense is being used as a way for them to not take responsibility yeah, absolutely and, and do you, I, we should have I think that a lot of us didn't realise how serious it was at the beginning because the government wasn't taking it seriously I was like why uh, are we why are we cancelling things? What's going on? Like, I don't understand. And then I think it's because it was such a slow process. And then finally the government was like, oh, we're going to close all pubs. We're going to close all theatres. Whereas if they'd done that at the beginning and said, look, this is really serious. We need to close these things. You need to stay at home unless you absolutely have to work. Then we would have been like, oh, okay, right. This is actually a serious thing. Maybe we need to take notice of it. And then there wouldn't have been as many deaths and then it wouldn't have, like, it wouldn't be going on for as long as it is. Do you think that it's only Britain as the only country in the world that has common sense? No, I'm saying, like, hardly any country. Oh, no, no, yeah. I think one of the problems with our constant use of the things like British common sense is uh, a nationalist, borderline xenophobic uh, trait of ours where we have this uh, belief in exceptional, uh, we're the exception to the rule. Like Britain, we still walk through, we have a stiff upper lip and common sense, unlike every other fucking country in the world. But New Zealand did lockdown really quickly and they've got hardly any cases. Yes, New, uh, New Zealand uh, did incredibly well. Uh, South Korea have done incredibly well. Uh, uh, Vietnam, although Vietnam, uh, lack a lot of human rights, so I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> well, this, this, this is it. It's it's what you're willing to uh, give up. And I've, I've I always come around to the same thing on uh, these shows for the past couple of weeks is my fear of the freedoms that have already been taken away from us uh, during this pandemic. Uh, the government has brought in a lot of statutory instruments to remove. Uh, freedom of movements, uh, uh, freedom of assembly. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm slightly concerned. But us, comparative to, say, Vietnam, who have no real human rights and a dictatorship, I, I'm not comfortable with using them as an example of how well to run a pandemic. Yeah, that's why I 
excited New Zealand. <laughs> oh, yeah, New Zealand, yeah, New Zealand are, are fantastic, but like, Vietnam have had no deaths. Hmm. They've had no deaths at all. Then maybe they're just not telling us. Oh, there's, there's always an issue with that. Or it, it's a lot easier to control people when they have absolutely no freedoms. Yeah. But New Zealand, New Zealand have done fantastically uh, and they should be applauded. Uh, I, uh, do you think that uh, female leaders make better leaders? Is what, I've seen this lots on Twitter where everyone going, well, look at all these countries. Do you think they make better leaders? I, don't, I wouldn't like to make a generalisation like that because I don't think that's fair. I think that some female leaders are better than male leaders and some male leaders are better than some female leaders. I, I think that's a fantastic answer. Um, I, wouldn't, I know it's, that's not the fashionable feminist thing to say, but I wouldn't want to go around making a sweeping statement like that, especially as we had Theresa May as our example as a female, of a female leader. <laughs> so, and, and Thatcher. Um, I, I was going to say Thatcher as well, yeah. Jesus. Uh, well, I mean, especially at the moment, it, it's a very low bar uh, comparing yourself to male leaders at the moment because they're all shit. Exactly. I'd it make is... a better female leader than Boris Johnson. Ah, Christ <laughs> on a bike. Um, if, if we're going to talk about, you mentioned uh, Trump. We do have a story this week on Trump, and it's not really about anything that he said, because frankly, I don't give a shit. Um, it's about uh, Nancy Pelosi got in trouble this week for uh, saying that uh, Trump was morbidly obese. Who and said that? Was, uh, Nancy Pelosi. She's uh, the uh, Democrat. She's the head of the uh, House of Representatives for Democrats. Um, and she... Uh, she said she worried because Trump came out and said that he's taking that malaria drug, uh, hydro, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, and she was asked about it. And she said that she worried about his health because of his age and the fact that he was morbidly obese taking this drug. Uh, and people started saying, this is fat shaming. This is terrible. You cannot call him. Go after his policy, sure. But don't mention the fact that he's a fat cunt. Do you think the calling Do you think the calling Donald Trump morbidly obese is fat shaming? Not really, because if that is factually what he is medically, then and she was just saying that really he shouldn't be doing that for medical reasons. That's a different thing. He, she wasn't. Being I mean, that she was. She was taking a dig. She was certainly oh. taking a dig. A hundred percent. There isn't an ounce of me that thinks that she gives a fuck whether he lives or dies. Right. But he, uh, according to his medical records, he is obese. But not morbidly obese. Not morbidly, <laughs> no. This is the, this is well, the I thing. Think, I think the fact that she got it wrong is just an outrage. <laughs> this is it. See, um, it's always, it always worries me. I think it's interesting because obviously Donald Trump has said many terrible things about female yeah. politics in his time and I don't think that's okay so I think it's interesting that if we start saying it's okay for um a democratic politician that we maybe agree with to be insulting someone based on their looks then we then we are saying that it's okay for any politician to insult someone else based on their looks so I think that's a dangerous road to go down and I think it's very fashionable to be like Oh my god, like Trump's like orange face twat. Um, but actually that's not the problem with him. The problem is that he 
makes policies that can be very harmful to other people. Does that make sense? I think it's it's like yeah. when you start okay to insult anyone just because you disagree with their politics it's like then it says it's okay for him to say nasty things about Hillary Clinton's appearance just because he disagrees with her politics and I, I understand that people might not agree with what I'm saying but oh no the thing is you're you're probably right and uh, you shouldn't go after people's looks personally for me uh I'm utterly fine with it because I because I, I don't think it's it's uh, necessarily comparable. I don't think that oh you can oh you can take the piss out of Trump's looks, so you can take the piss out of anyone's looks. No, going in, in going in terms of power, if you're really looking to uh, hurt Trump, which at this point the only thing that does is critique of him, and not his policies. He doesn't care about he doesn't care about people. You can go along and you can say all the time that I, uh, like everything that he does, I'm not sure he can count. I'm, I, I do, I, hundred percent do not think he can count. <laughs> but I think saying I don't think he can count is fine. But I think saying he's a fat idiot is is not as obviously I might say that to my friends, but saying that publicly is not the same thing. It's not criticizing someone in a in a helpful way. How about if it's medically correct? Because I, I, we have a thing like fat shaming is terrible. It's awful. But obese is obese. It is a medical term. It's, it's like saying, oh, it's, it's like going around going, oh, you, you don't say someone has cancer anymore. You just say that their body doesn't want to live as long. It's... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying with that. And I, like I said, I'm not saying she should be sacked because like I said earlier, I don't think she should be sacked for one mistake. Yes. But um, I think you were saying she was taking the piss with it. I think, I guess, oh, with all about... I mean, she, yeah, she, she said it, she said it very straight faced, but hmm. this woman isn't caring about Trump's health. It, 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 would be, it would be like me going, oh, I truly hope that Trump doesn't drink bleach. <laughs> I, don't mean, I don't mean it, you know. I I'm, think I'm, I'm lying. Not really a big deal, to be honest. It's not really something that we should be massively concerned with. And I think yeah. it should be something that should be forgotten about in like a day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, we're going to get into uh, a bit, bit more uh, in-depth stories okay. now. We have a break like a kind of break in the conversation. I'm just going to get some water. And That's then actually can... fine. Uh, no, yeah, we'll, we'll continue. I don't edit anything. So this is just uh, a silence <laughs> in the middle. Absolutely fine. There you go. Delightful. All right. Um, freezer, so it would be nice and cold for me. It's all fine. It's all fine. Do you know what? I, I should have said that at the start. I don't edit a thing. So if you're going to say something that's going to get you cancelled, please make sure that everyone can hear it. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I really don't want to have to, like, dub over it. You know? Totally, totally, yeah. I'll I make sure to afterwards as well. Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right, so uh, this is the uh, Adam Smith Institute. The Centre for Policy Studies, the Institute of Economic Affairs and Policy Exchange, which are all right-wing think tanks, 
um, all for the free market and all of that jazz, uh, have endorsed the public spending increases uh, to confront the coronavirus uh, outbreak and state-funded investments to boost the recovery. Now, what's interesting about this is these, uh, a number of these um, think tanks were for austerity. Okay. Uh, they really liked austerity. They thought that that was the best thing for the 2008 crash. Now, with all of these uh, people now turning around and saying that what we need is more spending in the economy, which is something I agree with, I think always spending and investing is always the best way to grow an economy and cutting everything will only hurt. Does this suggest, and they're not going to admit it, but does this suggest that the past 10 years of austerity have uh, been wrong and were only put in place for ideological reasons and not for the good of the country? I think it's interesting that when a national crisis happens that means that many more people are affected, including like a lot of middle class people, that suddenly the government can um, provide funds to people who need it. Suddenly they can increase the uh, universal credit amount. We can get a self-employment grant, although it's not perfect and there should be more help in place. Um, suddenly they can pay companies to furlough people, but before that, you know, if you weren't doing a, a full job search every week, then you didn't deserve your money. Like, you know, if you can walk 10 steps, but you're actually really disabled, you should still be getting a job. Like, I think it's interesting that um, suddenly there is all this money and all these resources now that more people are being affected by it. Do you think the, uh, and I've asked this to previous guests, it's always an interesting question. Do you think that there's going to be a fundamental change when this is all done in society? Do you think this has given more empathy to humanity? I don't know. That's a really hard question. And I think that the government has been forced to appear to give more of a shit and to help people out more because, because so many people have been affected that they've had to step in. But I wonder whether it will continue. So, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose it. I suppose it matters whether or not you actually have hope for society as to whether or not it is going to change. I do not personally feel that with the people that we have in power, it is going to. And I, I hope that we do not go to austerity again. Because if we do go to austerity again, there's nothing left to cut. Mm. Uh, we're literally going to have to yeah. start cutting people in half it's it's the only thing that we've got left to cut i read something the other day that said it's weird that people complain that um you know that sometimes welfare pays more than work this means that we should increase wages not cut welfare not cut welfare like that doesn't make any sense which is something yeah. that i completely agree with with universal credit we have found a lot of people especially single mothers have been affected for this uh, uh, furlough, have actually lost money uh, oh, going sure. on to universal credit mm. from quite a significant amount. You're looking at like £125 a month worse off uh, than they were before because of the new rules that have come in and there's a benefit limit 
do you mean that they have part-time jobs have been furloughed from those part-time jobs and are claiming universal credit alongside that no because they were on uh uh, uh one of the stories was a, a woman with children was on universal credit mm. uh and because the benefits that came in there's a benefit cap meaning you if you earn this amount of money then we can take more from you yeah. uh, for like uh, universal credit loans that people get because, of course, universal credit, you don't get it until five weeks, which is madness anyway. And so you have to take a loan, which everyone's like, oh, don't need to take the loan, but you have to pay that loan back, meaning you've got less money, which means you're struggling. It's like, it's like a constant shit show. Mm. And next, next room, some more shit. Next room, some more shit. An awful show to go to. Um, but uh, because they were given more uh, money from... Because uh, 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 Universal Credit went up, and so they were given more money, but because of the other benefits they got, they hit the uh, benefits uh, limit and uh, ended up taking more money from uh, them via the loan repayments, which actually meant that they were, uh, were getting £125 a month less. Again, this is fucking ridiculous. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. That is not British common sense, is it? <laughs> I think, no, I think that is British common sense. <laughs> that is the pure fucking love of everything that we've been doing for the past 10 years, which is, oh, we're going to cut this but we're going to take much more from this. Mm-hmm. Give with one hand, take from the other. And this hand's fucking like the big foam hand. You can get more from it. it we're, it's, God, we're a shit country. I, I, love, I love England and I love Britain. I'm a big fan. Just not the people in it. <laughs> That's my big problem. Um, let's uh, go on to... This is an interesting one. This is according to public reports seen by uh, Open Democracy. Uh, Ukraine has blacklisted more than 700 Scottish, English, Welsh, and Northern Irish firms. Now, this is uh, this is uh, offshore firms uh, that are usually set up as shell companies to hide ownership, you know, avoid tax, make illicit payments, be corrupt as fuck, basically. Um, Transparency International has said that it is a stark reminder of the British role as global hub for financial crime. These are things like uh, Scottish limited partnerships or uh, uh, limited liability partnerships that are able to be set up in the UK, uh, uh, in Britain as a whole, and as a shell company to pump fucking money through. London is the uh, money laundering capital of the world. Now, at this time, we've got a lot of stuff going on with coronavirus and everything else. Tons of stuff going. And so I understand why people would not necessarily think that this is an important story. But it is important that when we get out of this, we're not 20 steps back from where we were. So we need to continue moving forward to stop these money laundering that's going on that can always lead to things like modern slavery uh, and corruption around the fucking world. Now, it's going to be a now an impossible question to answer. Okay. (laughs) But how would you look at going forward 
to uh, stop shell companies being set up in this country to uh, launder money around the world. I literally don't know enough about finance or money laundering to answer that <laughs> I told you it was going to, I understand that it was a difficult question. I'm fully aware of that. <laughs> um, but it was a story that I had, we had to cover it. <laughs> okay. Um, transparency would be uh, my answer. Uh, if, because one of the major problems with uh, uh, any form of uh, limited partnership, SLPs, everything else, is that a shell company can help create them. And so they do not need to know who runs it and who runs it at the very end. That's what's important. Because you can have Tom, Dick and Nobber as the front line. Oh, yeah, I own it. But it's a shell company, shell company, shell company. You can have 16 shell companies underneath and not know who owns anything. So okay. transparency would be the way of going through. Uh, personally, for me, that's what I would look at. Although what we have been seeing is, because uh, with the Scottish, what you've got is a high prestige. If you've got a company in the UK, or Scotland or England, that's high prestige with low transparency. And so you're able to set up a company saying, well, no, I've got a British company, which makes it look legitimate when you're putting through all of your uh, ill-gotten gains i think we've i think we've covered enough of the the uh, I, 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 I i i can see you <laughs> i can see you i told you it's political breakdown it's all about the politics of the week <laughs> they're not all gonna be fun enjoyable isn't trump fat conversations <laughs> you know do you have any news stories that you've brought along that you saw this week? I'll take that as a, I'll take that as a no. Do not, I, I said you didn't have to, so do not worry about that at all. I did say you didn't have to. I didn't do the optional homework. <laughs> Great. Uh, a story over in Egypt. Uh, this is according to the Human Rights Watch. The Egyptian authorities have been holding hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, in pre-trial detention without the pretense of judicial review. Uh, they're using the COVID-19 pandemic uh, to effectively uh, uh, preclude uh, detention hearings. Uh, now, this is seeing around a lot of the world uh, with dictatorships using uh, COVID-19 as a way of taking more and more power for themselves. Mm -hmm. Once again, going to be a difficult question. But um, do you think that just people knowing about it is enough for things to change? Or do you think that there's going to be more? I think that with things like that, you know, like the UN need to step in and be like, you can't just keep people in prison for an unlimited amount of time with no reason. Like, we have Zoom. You can do trials over Zoom. <laughs> like, you can do reviews over Zoom. It's not the, there like, 1800s anymore. There was a story the other week uh, of over in Nigeria. They did a uh, Zoom court hearing where they gave the death penalty. 
I saw one in Singapore as well, which was ridiculous because it was for drugs. It wasn't even for like murder or rape or anything. It was a drug crime. <laughs> uh, are you are you for or against the death penalty? Or are we on are we on a different subject? Um, I would say against, mostly because there've been lots of instances where you can get it wrong. Um, yep. Just because somebody has killed someone else doesn't mean that you should you have the right to kill them. Um, it means that there is no rehabilitation for that person. It assumes that they can never be saved or changed or anything like that. I think it's just lots of different reasons. And yeah, I would say I don't agree with it. No, that's good. It's all fine. It's all fine. I especially don't agree with it for that. I know, you know, some countries like Singapore do it for drugs crimes, which I don't even, I don't think that should be a life sentence or, or a death penalty sentence. I think that's ridiculous. No, we have a, a, a very weird, the entire world has weird things on drugs. What do, what do you think about the war on drugs? Do you think that's a, a useful uh, thing for everyone's time? No, I think drugs should be legal. They should be taxed and legal. Um, I think a lot of problems with drug crime with, would diminish greatly if that was to happen. It's like alcohol, you know, okay, some people occasionally sell illegal alcohol, but it's not a massive problem because you can buy alcohol in a shop safely when you want to have a drink. Like if you could go to the shop and buy some drugs and you know what's in the drugs and you've paid for them, you should just be allowed to do that. And more money into the uh, government, which would be... Like alcohol... I, obviously, I don't think alcohol should be banned. I love drinking. It's one of my favourite things to do. Love a glass of wine. But it is very dangerous. And we let people do that. We let people drink themselves to death because we let people take responsibility for that. If you, if you want to give people freedom and independence, then you can give people access to things. If they then take an overdose, that's kind of down to them. We're not going to ban alcohol because sometimes people drink too much and die. Well, then, I mean, if, if we take your uh, your view a step further, then, then uh, should there be a um, should you be allowed to drink and drive? No, but that, I think that's different. I think like I understand. Oh, yeah, you've had like one unit or two units, whatever that I'm not saying we should change the current law. But I think if we're going to make these things legal, then. Yes, of course, you wouldn't necessarily take a gram of cocaine and then go to drive or go to like perform a heart operation the same way that you wouldn't do that with alcohol currently. Does that make sense? Yeah, so do you think as long as it doesn't affect other people, then it yeah. should be fine? Yeah, of course, because it's, you, it's your choice what you do to your own body. That is that that little thing actually goes on to another piece of news. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fit it all together. Do not worry; it's going to be wonderful. Um, it is the uh, Christian Christian concern. Uh, if I just find so many fucking stories here, Christian concern to a faith group have lost a court case it brought against the Department of Health and Social Care over its decision to allow women to have early medical abortions at home following a phone or video consultation. Now, the case centred on a decision by the government uh, in March to allow women to take both drugs needed for an early medical abortion at home under previous laws 
Uh, only the second could be taken at home with the first taken at a hospital or a clinic following an appointment with a doctor. Thoughts? I mean, abortion, change rule? abortion is, is legal in the UK. If we have to um, change it to comply with coronavirus rulings, such as doing video consultations or phone consultations, I don't see why that's any different from going to your doctor and saying, I would like to have this abortion, your doctor giving you the pill, and then you going home and taking the other pill. If you're over Zoom and you say, I'd really like to have this abortion, and you talk it through, and the doctor's like, yeah, that's fine, and then you pick up the pill and you take it yourself, and they give you, you know, appropriate instructions for aftercare, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be able to um, administer it yourself at home. Why do you think the Christian concern have concern? I think anything that makes it easier for women to get abortions when they need them is something that some religious fanatics are concerned about. Do you think they're right to? No, because I think abortion should be safe and legal and available. I think even if you don't agree with it, you should agree that no matter what, people will get abortions. So even if you don't agree that people should be getting abortions, you should understand that it should be made safe for people to do it because they'll do it anyway. The same with drugs. The same, exactly. Like, I think it's really difficult to let your own personal beliefs on things interfere with what you think other people should be doing. I mean, it's, that, that's uh, a very valid point uh, that we shouldn't always allow our personal opinions to um, affect the lives of others, which is something that religious people and religion as a whole love to do. One of their favourite games, I assume this, because they're so complete as individuals, they want to go and complete someone else's fucking life for them. Um, I, it's, as an aside, religion, should it be banned? I don't think religion should be banned, because I think saying religion should be banned is just as bad as saying abortion should be banned like people should be free to believe what they want to but i don't think that people should use religion as a justification for laws that impact people who are not religious but then but there, there you go if laws are being put in place for religious reasons if wars are being done for religious reasons if religion is affecting other people's lives then does not your uh, own argument about, say, drink driving, uh, does that not, not come into play where you shouldn't have things, uh, you shouldn't have things that are legal that are affecting other people's lives? I think that fanatic people will use anything to justify their beliefs. I think there are plenty of people who don't do this kind of thing, who don't protest outside abortion clinics, who don't start wars, who just, they believe what they personally believe and that's their faith. Um, so I don't think banning religious pe religion will ban um, extreme people and extreme laws. Oh, valid, valid. Um, and I also think that you can't put all religions in the same box. I, I could. <laughs> Just need like, a big enough box. For example, like, you know, there are certain types of Buddhism that are very peaceful, non-violent, that sort of thing. I don't necessarily agree with everything they believe in um, because, you know, apparently women can't be the Dalai Lama, which I think is ridiculous. But um, I think that there are certain religions who have shown to be 
to cause more wars and cause more violence than others. So I don't think you can. Like, For me, I would say uh, all religions, uh, all spiritual people, uh, anyone who believes in karma, um, uh, anyone who has ever done anything like Reiki or anything like that, psychics, <laughs> um, conspiracy theorists who believe that 5G gives you cancer. I mean. um, anyone who's uh, on today, yin and yang. I've, I've got a big list. I'll put them all into the same um, box. I've got a yin yang tattoo. I tell you, I'll tell you why, though. I got a yin yang tattoo because um, my dad was really obsessed with yin yang, so I got it after he died. Um, but they made a fuck up. So they made the, um, the circle not the right size. So the white circle is too small because they didn't allow for it to bleed out. But then I was like, kind of makes sense because he was a shit dad. So obviously my tattoo that I got for him would be shit too. I mean, that's, that's, I, I, think that's, I think that's the first personal story I've ever had on this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think the UN, a religious fanatic are slightly different things and I do think there are there is a lot of bullshit in spirituality such as psychics etc however I think things like yoga meditation can be really um really good for your mental health and I would definitely say that that shouldn't be banned it shouldn't be put in the same box again being spiritual is like being religious without a home it's homeless religion that's all it is you don't go. You don't go to a house on a Sunday and pray in there. You just do it in a fucking park or with nature or some shit. Whiny bastards. Um, let's, let's go on to uh, um, the UN. The UN has released a uh, reminder of a list of gender-neutral words uh, to replace commonly used expressions in the English language, saying that it will help uh, prevent a particular sex, sexual gender or gender identity from being discriminated against. And so instead of mankind, humankind, so the chairman, chair, congress, uh, congressman, legislator, businessman, representative, landlord, owner, not, you can't say, well, you shouldn't say boyfriend and girlfriend anymore, uh, it's partner, uh, husband or wife, it's spouse, things like this. Do you think this is... Uh, Moving forward uh, in the right way, or is this as Twitter would say, "Oh, PC gone mad"? I think that when these terms were first invented, most of the people using them were men. Most business people were businessmen. Yes. Most chairmen were men. So I think updating those terms makes complete sense because I think it um, means that when you see someone in a certain role or you find out someone is in a certain role you don't automatically assume that that is going to be a man which can only be a good thing um i think in terms of other other language such as boyfriend girlfriend husband wife you should be allowed to refer to your partner however you want to we should not be ruling out these terms because i do tend to call my boyfriend my partner a lot of the time but i sometimes call him my boyfriend and if i want to call him my boyfriend i should be allowed to do that if he identifies as male does that make sense? So I think yeah, in terms cool. of professional um, job titles, I understand why we need to make them more gender neutral. But in terms of personal relationships, I don't think we necessarily need to do that. Well, it's important uh, to point out that these are 
suggestions and before because everyone's gonna go oh this is pc got bad they're banning words no one's banning words yeah, yeah, saying totally. like as an attempt to not offend and I think if it's form, it's totally fine to say you know to write partner or to write spouse because that just includes everybody does that make sense yeah but like i think you should be allowed to talk about your partner at work without having to use gender neutral language if you don't want to for example is how i would oh, I, think that, I think that's i think that's absolutely fine um we're gonna go back to covid19 now Okay, great. <laughs> such, such, such a such a fun fun time had by all. Um, this is the uh, outsourcing company Serco has apologised for accidentally sharing an email address of almost three hundred contact tracers. Uh, now, this goes for uh, another uh, story with regard. Do you know? Do you know contact tracers? So is that the first person who had coronavirus in that area? Uh, no, contact tracers are the ones who uh, find out about uh, someone who has coronavirus and gets all the information from them of who they've been in contact with. Right. Pulls up the people they've been in contact with. Oh, okay. Yeah. Clinic where you get them to call your exes and be like, "Can you come in for a check?" Yeah, but telling them to self-isolate instead. Okay. Um, so. Right, so they leaked to. So who? What? Who are Serco again? They're like Serco, a government. Uh, they're um, they're uh, an outsourcing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so a private, a private firm that uh, has been given contracts that, frankly, it is not equipped to deal with. As with a lot of uh, um, private I mean, companies. I'm the first kind of government's done this. They used to when they started um, outsourcing the. Uh, health assessments to, I don't know who they, they sent it to, but it was just ridiculous. Like it should be doctors who are filling in those health assessments, not random people, but that's another issue. Um, so they leaked people's email addresses. Oh, no, not, not leaked, it's, it's an accidental, they sent an email uh, where they accidentally sent it to everyone and everything. Uh, and they, they fucked up quite royally. And potentially they've broken data protection laws. Yeah. They're not going to get done for it, of course. But there is, it goes on from another story, which is uh, about the contact tracers. Uh, recruiters described uh, the program to train thousands of contact tracers to help con uh, control the spread of the coronavirus as shambolic and inadequate. Mm -hmm. Now, these people whose job it is to contact the exposed uh, to uh, COVID-19, uh, so they've been self-isolating. Yeah. They spend days trying to log into the online system uh, and uh, the virtual training sessions left them unclear as to what their actual roles were. They were told to rely on a two-page script uh, and a list of frequently asked questions. And this is this is beautiful. This, this next bit just, oh, it, it warms my soul. And when asking for guidance on how to speak with someone whose loved one had died of the coronavirus, they were told to look at YouTube for videos on the topic. Oh, wow. I mean, that's really bad. I feel like all that stuff is worse than accidentally leaking a few email addresses. Who hasn't, you know, replied all when they meant to blind CC? Like, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> then, obviously, I think people should be careful when doing things like that. And, like, we do need to be, um, you know, thinking about that when we're emailing people. If you're emailing lots of people at once, 
But I think the fact that they haven't received proper training is outrageous. And I think if you're going to be speaking to people whose family members have died, it takes five minutes to be like, this is what you should probably say to them. Like, you know. <laughs> try and common sense, isn't it? Just British common sense. It is. It is. The thing is, I used to work in a welfare to work company and I used to, we, we worked for the government and I had people, you know, on the phone whose family had died or whatever. And you had to just be really like, just be a human. Like you will have spoken to people in your life who've told you that someone's died. All you have to be is like, I'm really sorry to hear that. Like, obviously this is a really difficult time for you, but we need to talk about this thing or something, whatever. Like, just use your common sense. It's annoying. But I, don't you don't think that. I don't think you should what be using YouTube to get anything. Uh, you should not use YouTube to get anything that resembles fucking empathy or sympathy. Yeah. YouTube and is like, not the fucking place. It's like when my dad died, I had to speak to loads of companies and some of them were really like, the people on the end of the phone, I mean, they obviously felt awkward and didn't know what to say. So they ended up saying something that sounded really disingenuous, genuous, yeah. which was really fucking annoying. But like, I, do, I think that's, that's a wider issue where people don't understand how to talk about death and they feel awkward asking any questions about it or even mentioning it. And actually that makes it more awkward when you don't acknowledge it. You, you can be like, you know, how are you feeling about this? Do you want to talk about it? Like, have you spoken to a therapist about this or Samaritans or anything? Like, you, you could just be like, look, here's a grief counsellor number I can pass on to you, like a charity or something. Like, as, as protocol. Do you know what I mean? If you don't know how to speak to someone about it, then there should be somewhere that you can direct someone to where they can speak to someone who knows more about it. Yeah, uh, this all goes on from uh, the continuation that we keep on allowing private outsourced companies mm -hmm. who like were originally like a building firm are now going to be in charge of uh, trying to cope with people's mortality and it's a you can't fucking allow it it's the same that's happened with schools hospitals prisons we just get any fucking knobhead who's friends <laughs> with us to uh, give them a, the contract and they end up God, it's madness. Outsourcing is such a terrible fucking thing. Right, final, final question. Okay. Uh, coming towards the end. Um, Conservative MP uh, Damien Collins has said that it should be made illegal uh, for conspiracy theorists to spread disinformation online. This is coming after uh, the continuous bullshit of things like the 5G giving you cancer. Uh, you can cure coronavirus with the sun. Uh, and all of this stuff. Uh, should uh, conspiracy theorists be, ab uh, be able to continue to spread uh, bollocks online? Or yeah. instead of just making it illegal, should uh, social media companies be forced to just cancel it? Just delete all of the, uh, all the lies that are spread? I think that's really dangerous because... So, for example, there might be a really extreme conspiracy theory that somebody writes online, like the royal family of lizards or whatever. But then there might be something that's a bit more, a bit more common sense, like some sort of underground goings on in, in a government or something like that. And if you, that might have some truth to it, but we don't know the full story. But if you start to ban all conspiracy theories, then you start to ban any sort of questioning of the news and the governments 
Um, I think he was just looking at banning the people who are, uh, and I, I, I get what you're saying. That, I know I what you but I think if you ban, ban people from expressing their opinions, which might be completely ridiculous, they might not have any common sense to it or make sense at all, then where do you draw the line? When it like, becomes dangerous to people, that, that's, for me, that's it. It's the same as shouting fire in a theatre. That is illegal to do. No, um, like you, you, can, you, you can personally believe that gravity is bollocks. You can believe that the only reason that we do not float away is because we blink. You could think whatever the fuck you like, but if you start spreading this about, putting in fake science and say, well, no, actually, science says that gravity isn't real, getting a lot of people who are idiots who to fucking believe you to climb up to the top of a tall building and all fuck off thinking they, they can fly, and that, that is where the danger comes in. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a really difficult question because I think that where how do we monitor that how do we distinguish between something that is parody and that's something that is fake news and something that is conspiracy yeah, yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. I, that's, very interesting point. that's that's my issue with it is that you might write an article that says oh gravity's not real here's a science thing and it might just be a joke and obviously people can't be trusted to work out what is a joke or not a lot of the time but i think once you start deleting certain things from social media just because you know, they might not be accurate, then you delete, then you have to delete so many news stories that aren't accurate. Does that mean we can't do April Fools anymore? Like, I don't know. I just think people need to be a bit less idiotic. I mean, yeah, education is always useful. I think, I do think the banning uh, misinformation during a pandemic is, uh, is a useful thing. So saying like between, uh, until this pandemic is over, you can't you, you, unless it's scientifically backed you can't start spreading shit because the problem is you'll have someone like Trump and you'll have to delete a lot of what he says because he's everything he says is backed by science but I'd be fun to watch that I think that would be an interesting thing to watch just seeing him every one of his tweets getting deleted before he fucking uh, gets anywhere that would be I think that would be delightful um, well I think this has, been, this has been lots of fun do you yeah, have anything really to this, actually? Do you have anything to plug? Um, yeah, so I work at an online virtual strip club called Cybertees, um, which is every two weeks. So if you follow at Cybertees underscore on Twitter, I'll put, every, I'll put all the links below the video. You just send it over to me, and I'll put them all below the video. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at CA underscore AF underscore. And then my burlesque Instagram is at April Fiasco. Fantastic. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much it. I'm going to stop the recording now. We'll have a quick chat after that. And then we're done. Thank you Thank very you much. Cheers. <laughs>